Okay, the title of our lesson this morning, America, will you celebrate Father's Day? And uh, I'll kind of explain that as we go along. Genesis 1, verse 26 through 28, God created them male and female. Genesis 2 and verse 24, God created the home. Three points we're going to give consideration to today. We're going to give thought to just some statistics that I researched this week. And then we're going to talk about fathers present and possessive. Sometimes it's okay to be possessive. <laughs> and then we'll talk about fathers loving and affirming. I'll just go ahead and pull up that first point there, father some statistics. As we get started today, though, I'll share with you what I came across. One of the things I came across this week, kind of a little lighthearted moment. There was a little girl by the name of Isla. She was four years old, and most said she was just full of life. And so she went up to her father on Father's Day, and she said, Daddy, what would you like to have for Father's Day? And he said, Isla, what I would like is a little girl that listens to me and then does what I say. And she looked up and said, Daddy, we don't have that. <laughs> so, happy Father's Day anyway, you know. We don't have that. A number of years ago, there was a actress. Here's Hollywood, right? Hollywood is never short on opinions. And so this particular actress had given birth to a child. And she said, in her infinite wisdom, fathers are not really that important in the home anymore. Oh, really? <laughs> well, in Genesis 1, verse 26 through 28, it says, God created them in his image male and female. Genesis 2 and verse 24, And for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Back to Genesis chapter 1, about verse 31, it says that God saw everything that he had created, and it was very good. What he had created. Very good. Contrary to what those in Hollywood might have to say about it, God said it was very good. I'm going to read to you just quickly as we get started today. Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. So just this past week, I had to go renew my license. And I wear glasses, but mostly it's just for reading. And so I went down to the license bureau. I didn't even take my glasses with me. And so it comes to that point in time where, you know, they got that little machine, you know, put your forehead up against it, look in there and tell me, read these lines of letters, the young ladies tell me. And I discovered they weren't quite as clear as they used to be. And, you know, it's hard sometimes to distinguish between a B and a G. And sometimes it's kind of hard to distinguish between an M 
and a W. I passed. But then afterwards I thought, next time I'm bringing my glasses with me. But in preparation for this lesson, I got to thinking, you know, I need some correction so that I can see clearly. Well, in America, we need some correction so that we can see clearly. So if you haven't picked up on my illustration already, let me put it a little plainer. In America nowadays, we're having trouble with distinguishing between the B's and the G's. And between the M's and the W's. Now you get it. Genesis 1, verse 26 through 28. That's the way he created them. That's all there is. And that male part is real important. And God has given responsibilities to men, to husbands, to fathers. And America needs to see that. Because somehow along the way, it's become clouded. And they don't see it like they should. That's why I titled the lesson, America, Will You Celebrate Father's Day? In Colossians 3, in about verse 21, Paul gives further instructions to go along with Ephesians 6. And he tells them, do not provoke or Another translation says, exasperate. Do not exasperate your children, lest they become discouraged. Ephesians 6, bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. But as you do that, do not exasperate them. Provoke them to where the point where they become discouraged. Now, there's a couple of ways in which that can happen. One of the ways in which they can become exasperated because fathers are just overbearing. And nothing a child ever does is, is good enough. And they can become discouraged. And then another way in which they can become discouraged is fathers are just absent or disconnected or they don't care. And a child is like, why should I try? <laughs> he won't be here anyway. Or if he is here, he won't care. And so they become discouraged. I'm going to share with you some statistics uh, in, in a few moments, but just kind of generally, first of all. This comes from the United States Census Bureau. Uh, Census Bureau. And it shows at this present time, there's close to 20 million kids that are growing up in this country in fatherless homes. That has led the United States to owning the title of world's leader in fatherless homes. That's not really a title that we should desire to have. Statistics also show fatherhood is essential in the development of children. Fathers in homes lead to better results in economic prosperity, academic performance, improved social mobility, better mental health. 
Fathers continue to be key indicators in all homes for success. It does not matter race. It does not matter ethnic background. It does not matter where they begin socioeconomically. Fathers are key to helping children become successful. And at the present time, America is experiencing an unprecedented crisis. Approximately 80% of single-parent homes are led by single mothers. Nearly 25% of our youth currently is growing up without a father. The nuclear family is under attack. 85% of children and teens with behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. Over 70% of all adolescent patients in drug and alcohol treatment comes from homes without fathers. America is struggling with substance abuse, incarceration, decreased social mobility, economic strain from unemployment. I want to stop right there for a moment and just say... One of the things that I'm thankful for, we often talk, my brothers this morning, and I have other brothers, but they could tell you, if our dad ever taught us anything, get a job. <laughs> you are going to work. You can pick the job, but get a job. You are going to work. That puts a strain on the entire economy. Work is good. And just teaching children to work is a positive. Fatherlessness has an impact on numerous areas in a child's life. Fathers that are there, they empower, they teach, they develop children physically, mentally, morally, spiritually, helping them to grow and persevere in a tough world. Stat. Children without a father in the home are more likely to live in poverty. Fatherless homes are directly connected to 90% of all homeless and runaway children. I don't know if you happen to notice. It's not there. I looked again this morning, but in the weeks gone by just recently, there was a big full-blown billboard right there on I-29 showed a young lady, looked like she had a backpack on, it said no child should be homeless. <laughs> I agree. What do you think the answer is? A lot of these statistics come from the Census Bureau and then also the National Fatherhood Initiative, if you want to look any of it up. Stats don't lie. Fathers are important in the home. Close to 20 million children now live in homes without fathers. Do you know how many times you could repopulate New York City and L.A. combined just with the number of children that are now living in fatherless homes? Both of them combined, more than twice. Think about that. New York City and L.A., more than twice. Homeless kids, populated. 
fatherless, I should say, homes, fatherless homes. Without a dad in the home, 47% are more likely to live in poverty. Boys with absent fathers are more likely to become absent fathers. Girls without a father in the home are seven times more likely to become pregnant in their teenage years. Children in fatherless homes experience higher rates of mistreatment from others. Individuals in fatherless homes are over 200% more likely to become involved in drugs and guns. Children in fatherless homes have higher behavior and psychological problems. Children in fatherless homes two times more likely to be obese. A little positive note. Involved dads leads to overall emotional and social well-being. Involved dads lead to higher academic achievement. Adolescent boys are less likely to be involved in delinquent behavior when the dad is in the home. Involved dads lowers a mother's parenting stress. <laughs> if it's shared, don't you think it would? Makes sense, doesn't it? Women with engaged husbands, fathers-to-be, who have support from their man in their life, experience fewer pregnancy losses. Involvement, listen to this, I was amazed. Involvement during pregnancy, this is talking about the man, positively influences the health for the mom, for the dad, and for the baby. They're all better off. Involved dads leads to less distress in toddlers. Fathers and mothers are the twin pillars in a child's emotional, psychological well-being. Children look to fathers in laying down rules and enforcing them. They look to fathers for a feeling of security, both physically and emotionally. Daughters look to fathers to see what a relationship with a man is supposed to be like. It's important to show the kind of relationship which is to be emulated. Sons look to their fathers to see how he treats others and how they should treat others. And it went on to say, if the father isn't there, that son will look someplace else. So it's like this. Girls. Looking to fathers, girls model relationships. Sons. Looking to fathers, boys model their character 
and their behavior. Can you see that? The ability to see the issue clearly is important. And fatherhood and fatherlessness are issues that are in desperate need of clarity and focus and attention. First of all, we need to see and admit in America the need for fathers in the home. And secondly, men need to look and see what's expected. Matthew 3 and verse 13 through 17 is the scripture that I chose this morning because it gives us some insight into that relationship between father and a child, father and son. It's an intimacy between Jesus and his father. Jesus acts in loving obedience to his father and the father unashamedly discloses to the world how deeply he loves his son. And this interaction between father and son reveals life-changing truths that speaks to fatherhood. So that's the sex. Now then, Matthew chapter 3, 13 through 17, and I want to just read that as we uh, take a look at these other, other couple of points here this morning together. Matthew chapter 3, 13 through 17. Present and possessive. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And George tried to, and John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Verse 16. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. He's there. The Father's there. Let me give you this illustration. This may uh, reveal my age, but you can all tell I'm not a spring chicken anymore anyway, so it's like, what what am I trying to hide? So it's the 1960s. Motown is huge. And there's probably no group that's any bigger than the Temptations, right? And so they had a song that was hugely popular. And the song that they sang actually spoke to this issue of fatherlessness, of the father not being in the home. Now, I know there are some of you here that are old enough to know what I'm talking about. Do you remember the song? Papa was a, Kenny knows, Papa was a rolling stone. 
And so that was kind of the title and that was also kind of the tagline. But that's what that song was about. That Papa was never there. And in one line of that song, it said, Papa was a rolling stone. Wherever he laid his hat was his home. And when he died, all he left us was alone. Actually, he wasn't there when he was alive. But that's what that song was about. Papa was rolling stone. Wherever he laid his hat, he was at home. And when he died, he just, he just left us alone. It's now obvious from the stats. There's 20 million children in this country living the truth of that song. Abandoned for whatever reasons. In America, marriage is not held in regard like it once was. Divorce has risen. Addiction. Teen pregnancy. Lack of a sense of obligation is keeping men out of homes. There's a book. Listen to this. It's interesting. There's a book with the title Adam and Eve After the Pill. That's America. Adam and Eve after the pill. You know what the pill was supposed to do? (laughs) Well, it would prevent pregnancy. But it was supposed to help families, couples manage their family. We'll get married. We won't have any kids for a while. We'll kind of get established in our jobs and our careers, get a little financial nest egg going on here, maybe get in our own home. And then we'll start. You know what happened? If you're alive in the 60s, you know what happened. There was a sexual revolution that exploded. What was being done with that pill? Young ladies are taking that pill. Young men are aware of that. And so the responsibility shifted. There was a time in this country... If that happened prior to marriage, the young man felt obligated. But after that, you know what happened? You're pregnant? Why weren't you on the pill? That's your fault. You take care of it. And you see that? That's what it did. That's what happened in America. Part of it. <laughs> but it certainly played a role in it. So keeping men out of the home, Satan doesn't care just as long as he keeps them out of the home. God gave three great institutions for the stabilization of society. You know what they are? It's revealed. It's government. It's the home. And it's the church. They are all under attack 
in this country. Children suffering the consequences of decisions being made by males and females that are not then creating homes being destroyed. So God did not abandon his son. When Jesus came up out of the water, his spirit descended upon him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son. God was there. God was there when Jesus was born. God was there when he was about to start his earthly ministry. The father was there when he was hanging on that cross. He was there when he was raised from that grave. He was present. But you know something else? He was possessive. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Mine. So God declares right there at that moment that my son, this one, that one's mine. Today there are millions of children who would love to hear those words from their father. It's life-giving. It's affirming. It's encouraging. It's heart-lifting. It's strengthening. Let me share another illustration with you. In times gone by, you know, sometimes traditions are good things, right? (laughs) Sometimes not. Sometimes traditions are good things. In times gone by, there was a Jewish tradition that on the 31st day, of a child's life. They would bring the child to the rabbi. And the father would carry the child and he would approach the altar and he would hand the child over to the rabbi. And then the father and then the rabbi would ask him a question in front of the family and the witnesses who had come. He would ask him, the father, do you desire to redeem this child? And if he answered yes, there was a special coin that was handed to the rabbi. And when he received that, then he would cry out three times, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed. Bought back. And he would hand the child back to the father. And the reason why they did that, it was public acknowledgement that that father accepted full responsibility for that child before God and before man. And the child, as he grew up, 
was told that story. I would be reminded that his father, her father, chose them. They could make a choice. Do you want them or not? And you were redeemed. He chose. And he committed. And he declared it openly, unashamedly. And it was powerful and it was positive influence on them spiritually, emotionally, psychologically on that child's life. And so God shows his possession and his connection to his son. In an age when a lot of children no longer have their father's name on their birth certificate, that speaks volumes to the importance and need for fathers to acknowledge their children and to be responsible for bringing them up. And step forward and say, that one, that one's mine. Father's present. The Father's possessive. But in Matthew 3 and verse 17, he also says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And reading about this, preparing for this, there was a preacher who wrote, he said a number of years ago, he had been asked to preach a funeral, conduct a funeral for a young man in his teens. It was tough. A boy in his teens come do this funeral. So he accepted and he went and he said that uh, at the conclusion of the service, the family had kind of requested that during the service, the casket was there and it was closed. But at the conclusion, they wanted it to be opened and the guests were to remain seated. And then they wanted to have a few moments of silence and meditation and prayer. But during that period of time, if there were any that wanted to come forward and kind of say those final goodbyes, that they would have an opportunity to do that. And so the preacher wrote, he said, I stood there next to the casket and he said, pretty soon various ones came up and kind of said their final goodbyes. He said, finally, there was a gentleman that's about halfway back stood up. He said he was dressed very nice. <laughs> and he made his way forward and he stood next to him. next to the casket. said after standing there for several minutes, he said he finally reached in his pocket and he said he pulled out a, a wad of cash and he slid it under that boy's folded hands. He said after about another minute or two, he said he took off his tie and he said he placed it on his chest. Laid it out very nicely. Said following that, he took off an expensive watch. 
And he reached in and he strapped it to his wrist. He said it was kind of strange. (laughs) And he wondered. He said later after everyone was gone, there was a lady that was there that he knew, knew this young man. And he asked her, he said, did you see that? And what, what was going on there? She said that was his father. She said, but he was never around. And then the preacher said, oh. He goes, I, I think now I get it. Not only did he feel grief, he felt guilty. That boy had gotten involved in a very dangerous lifestyle. And they said over the years, from adolescence into teens, the people that he ran with, the activities that he was involved with, became increasingly dangerous until one night it cost him his life. But the father was never there. So he's looking to somebody else. And he's just trying to find his way in life. And so the father gives him money that he never gave him in the past. He replaced a tie. The preacher said, wouldn't it have been good if he'd have been there when he was younger to teach him how to tie that tie? And that watch? Wouldn't it have been good if he'd have been there on his birthday when he was young? And teach him how to read it. And now it's too late. That was his son. And he couldn't make up. Love is expressed in action. In Matthew the 6th chapter... About verses 9 through 13. Very familiar section of scripture because you know what it is? It's the Lord's, what we sometimes refer to as the Lord's Prayer. But what Jesus is trying to teach on that occasion is the intimacy, the closeness that we have. And so when they ask him, how should we pray? He said, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven. It's okay to cry out, Abba, Father. Because that's the kind of relationship He wants to have with us. That there is that closeness. And that He desires to work in our lives for the best of of our lives. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth in my life. Your will. And that what Paul says in Ephesians 6? This is the first commandment with a promise that you might live long upon the earth. That's what's best. And he provides for his children. Give us this day our daily bread. 
And he teaches us that he's loving and forgiving. Forgive us our debts. And he teaches us how to treat others as we forget our debtors. And he protects us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Children need their fathers. They need food. They need clothing. They need shelter. They need physical protection. They need social training. They need spiritual guidance. That's what Paul's talking about in Ephesians 6. Fathers, bring up your children. But in Matthew 3 and verse 17, there, there's something else that's there that I think is just absolutely amazing. And when it finally dawned on me, I was like, wow, why didn't I see that all along? He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And I've read that in the past, probably have too. <laughs> and you think, well, here's God the Father and this is his, that's Jesus. <laughs> And he's well pleased with him. And you're kind of like, it's Jesus. How could you not be pleased? <laughs> right? But then you stop and think about it for a moment. What's being said there? This is the father telling his son. I'm well pleased with you. So does he come up out of the water? What's the point? I think it's very simply this. At that point, Jesus is getting ready to begin his ministry. He hasn't done anything yet. Except maybe build some benches and some yokes for oxen in that carpenter shop. He hasn't preached a sermon. He hasn't told a parable. He hasn't healed the sick. He hasn't raised the dead. He hasn't cast out a demon. He hasn't faced down the devil in the wilderness yet. And the father says, that's my son. And I am well pleased with him. You know what that's saying? He validates him before he ever does anything. Not because of what he has done, but because of who he is. That's my son. That's my child. And I'm pleased with him before they do anything. That's empowering. That's encouraging. So God made them male and female. And He designed the home and He has a plan for men, for husbands, fathers. And so America, we need to get our B's and G's straight, our M's and our W's. And fathers are still 
important. Because that's the way God designed it. And it should be celebrated. And in Genesis 1 and verse 31, what's it say? And God saw everything that he had made and it was very good. So God bless men who strive to be godly husbands, godly fathers. So that's Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Going to extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here. If you've never rendered obedience under the gospel in Jesus Christ, we encourage you to do that even this very day. If you're a child of God and not been living as you should and you need to make your relationship with the Lord right today, we'd love to assist you in that also. If we can help in any way, you let us know while together we stand while we sing.